Okay, we're starting chapter 4. This and some of the following chapters come to describe uh, Shlomo's kingdom, what, would it, what it was like. And this chapter discusses the, his, the organization of the kingdom, the, the princes, the heads of departments, the officers in his government. And the first verse here is, Vayimelech Shlomo, Melech al-Kol Yisrael. So they say that Shlomo was the king of all of Israel. And uh, we know that he was king of all of Israel. So what is it coming to tell us? So the Redak says, because unlike his father, David, who didn't have the all of Israel with him, we know that David was only king of Hebron at the beginning, and then he was king of all of Israel. But Shlomo from the very beginning is king of all of Israel, so he's got it better than his father did, and plus, the Radak adds, and he had no rebellions against him, like David had. He had a nice, quiet kingdom, nobody undermining him. And so he's Melech al-Kol Yisrael. And in verse 2, And these were the princes or the officers that he had. And the first one mentioned is Azaria ben Sadoka Kohen. Azaria ben Sadoka Kohen, we don't know what he did. Unlike the other people mentioned here, where they mentioned their position, we don't know what his position is, but he's mentioned first. And he was probably the, minute, the head of all the ministers. That's what the commentators think. Azari ben Sodeka Kohen was the minister of all the ministries. <laughs> so, interesting are uh, that he's the son of Tzedok. Tzedok, the Kohen Agadol, probably. That's who he's the son of. We know from Chronicles he's the grandson, not the son of Tzedok. And sometimes in Tanakh, son could be grandson. It doesn't have to be exactly this literal son. And the next one listed in, in Solomon's cabinet is Elichorof Achia ben Eshisha Sofrim. Elichorf and Achia, two two different people, and they were the sons of Shisha. Shisha was David Sofer. And first, what's a Sofer? Well, from the work from the word Sofer, it's a the word book. So they it could be translated as they were the scribes for Shlomo. But I mean, what do you mean scribes? They wrote to fill in mezuzahs. No, they they were they wrote uh, the letters, the diplomatic orders, the uh, all the things that had to be written in Shlomo's. Uh, kingdom, maybe the minutes, and Shlomo had a lot of that going on, a lot of goings on, a lot of uh, diplomatic uh, letters to write. So that's what they did, and there were two of them, Elichor of Anachia. David only had one in his in his uh, kingdom. He only needed one. It was a different kind of setup, and his sofer, as he says, was Shisha, and we see his sons are Shlomo's uh, sofrim. So we see a a way to keep the continuity that Shlomo uses people he knows or their sons to keep continuity um, and kind of keep the old guard, you know. And this is maybe part of the wisdom that you take people you know, you trust, and um, that way you have a certain consistency and a flow as long as you get rid of the rebels, the bad guys who are going to give you trouble like Shlomo did earlier. Now he takes, he's loyal to the people David used the next post that's listed here, the next position, Yoshafat ben Achilud Hamaskir. So there's somebody named Yoshafat ben Achilud. His name was Yoshafat ben Achilud, and he was the Maskir. What's a Maskir? Well, in Hebrew, modern Hebrew, it's like a secretary or a clerk, but we we know from uh, Tirgum here, the Tirgum Yonatan, he says the Chranaya, it's the, he wrote the chr- chronological order of things that happened in the kingdom. He wrote the minutes. That might have been the Maskir. 
The maskir means to remember kind of thing. He remembers everything. He's the chronologist. Uh, Rashi has something a little different. He thinks that the maskir was, he says, Eze mishpat bat lefanav rishon. Ah, so the maskir, according to Rashi, was the one who who sets up the lines for people who are coming for a dean, for a, for a court case. He gives the order who comes first, who comes second. That's the job of the maskir. The next position, verse 4, Benayahu ben Yoyada, we know who he is. He's the Sartsava, that we already knew. Next position, Sadok the Eviatar Kohanim. So it's Sadok we knew also is the Kohen. And surprisingly, Eviatar is back. He's also the Kohen. We thought he was thrust out. So apparently Eviatar is back, maybe in a in a more diminished function, if it's the same Eviatar, it may not be. Okay, verse 5. Vezariah ben Natan al-Hanitzavim. So Azariah ben Natan was responsible for the Nitzavim. Those were the people who were responsible for different regions. And we'll get to that in verse 7. There were 12 Nitzavim. They're like the people who are in charge of specific regions. They call them Nitzavim. And Azariah ben Natan was responsible for them. Zavud ben Natan, Kohen Reicha HaMelech. And the final not the final, but one of the last positions mentioned is a fellow named Zavud ben Natan. Kohen. Rea HaMelech. What was Zavud ben Natan's position? He was the a friend of the king. Um, what is that position? Well, interesting that David HaMelech also had a Rea. Chushi HaArki was also the Rea, the friend of the king. He, he was an important advisor to David. David had a few of uh, advisors and friends like that. Shlomo only has one. That's all he needs. He only needs one advisor. He's pretty smart himself. And his name is Zvud ben Natan HaKohen. Interesting. He's the son of Natan. Natan the prophet. Again, Shlomo using uh, the prominent people in his cabinet. He's retaining David's guys and he's taking their sons. And here we see that Natan the Navi was a Kohen. We didn't know that before. But Natan is a Kohen, as it says in verse 5. And then we have a post here, and it's a brand new post invented by Shlomo. It's Achishar Alabayit. Achishar, that's his name. He's responsible for the Bayit. He's uh, for the household. David didn't have such a post in his kingdom because, well, Shlomo did a lot more hosting. You know, he had a lot of guests and famous people coming over to see King Solomon and his glory. So he has a special post for. The household probably has to make a lot of meals, you know. He's managing all that. Hachnasat uh, Orchim, managing Tzudot Shlomo. He needs somebody just for that. And finally, Adoniram ben Avda Alamas. And that's the same Adiram that was, was in David's times. Also responsible for the taxes, if you look at Book of Shmuel 2, chapter 20, I believe it's chapter 20 at the end, they discuss David's cabinet in the same way, and we see some similarities, and we see the same Adiram responsible for the taxes. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's going to get himself killed later on when the, the uh, tribes of Israel rebel against Shlomo's son. They're going to kill Adiram because they don't want to pay taxes anymore. They say they're paying heavy taxes. Okay. And now verse 7, Ushlomo, Shnemasar Nitzavim. Shnemasar Nitzavim. He had 12 Nitzavim. 
על כל ישראל, וקלקלו את המלך ואת ביתו, חודש בשנה יהיה על אחד לכלכל. And this is an important verse to understand what we're going to talk about now. That Shlomo had 12 of these officers, 12 officers, and they were responsible for each region of Israel, specific regions, and these regions provided sustenance for the king and his household. Each man had to make a provision for a month in the year. In other words, verse 7 is telling us that, is explaining how Shlomo sustained his kingdom. He had 12 Nitzavim, 12 officers, and they were responsible for 12 regions throughout Israel. And each region had a responsibility to supply sustenance for the Shlomo's household for one month. Each region gets one month, 12 regions, 12, 12 months, and in that way the year was covered. Each, each region took responsibility for a month. And we're going to see later on, there's a lot of material and food and, and sustenance that's going to be brought to Solomon in Jerusalem because he's got, a, he's got some heavy endeavors going on over there in Jerusalem. So it's a big responsibility. Each region has to give their share. They take a month on themselves. And the Nitzav, that's his job to make sure that each region provides what it has to provide. Now we're going to go, and it's going to be a little tedious, maybe get your Tanakh out, because we've got a lot of names, a lot of names here, new names, weird names, and we're going to, the, 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 the narrative here in the Bible is going to specify each region, what was the name of the Natsiv, what was the name of the officer, and what region he was responsible for. Now something we're going to point out, which is interesting, and a little of Shlomo's wisdom, that He has 12 regions, but he does not divide the 12 regions up by the 12 tribes of Israel. He doesn't say, okay, this tribe is going to take care of January, and this tribe is going to take care of February. This tri no, he could have done that. But Shlomo was looking to centralize the federalization of Israel. He doesn't want a tribal, because tribal means tribal identity. It means more tension, possible civil war. He wants to centralize things. It's nice that there are 12 tribes, but it's good that we're all part of one nation. And, that, and so he does not divide those 12 regions here by tribes. He divides them by areas, which not, it doesn't necessarily coincide with the areas of each tribe. So let's start and who they are. The Elushmotam, verse 8. And these are the names. Ben-Chor, Bahar-Ephraim. The first one is named Ben-Chor. We don't even know his name. We just know the name of his father, Ben-Chor. Well, Ben-Chor, it's a movie, Ben-Chor. He's supposed to be a big hero, but the Tanakh tells us that Ben-Chor, if you don't give the name of the son, if you don't give the name of the person, you just give him his father's name, like Ben-Chor, son of Chor. Well, what's his name? What's the guy's name himself? What's his first name? If they don't give it, it means that his father was a famous guy, and he's nothing to get excited about. And we have a few of those people here listed that way, just by their father's name. Ben-Chor. Bahar Ephraim. He was responsible for the area of Har Ephraim. And that's where I'm speaking from now. I'm, I'm giving the shiur uh, over in Tapuach in Israel, and I'm living in Ephraim. So, you know, by the way, it's when, when you read geog geography, all the geographical places, like you get in the book of Joshua, there's so much geography, so many places and locations mentioned because they give the portions of each tribe. It could get very tedious And if, it, if I still lived in Queens, New York, it would be very tedious because I wouldn't know what these places are. But when you, when you know Israel really well and you've been in the places mentioned in the Tanakh and they give geographical locations and you know, hey, I know where that is. 
it makes it a lot more meaningful. So that's another reason to live in Eretz Yisrael. It makes uh, learning Tanakh more meaningful because the places mentioned are places that you walked on and know. Okay, the next one mentioned in verse 9, the, the next Natsiv, Ben Deker. Again, we don't give his name, we give just his father's name. His name is Ben Deker. And he was responsible for the era of Makatsu, Bishalavim, Beit Shemesh, Ayalon, and Beit Hanan. And those are areas, if you heard of them, Beit Shemesh, Shalavim, eh, Jerusalem, going uh, towards Tel Aviv a little bit. That was the second area that Ben Deker was responsible for. Third area, Ben Chesed. Oh, ben Chesed is, again, we don't give his name, we give the father, his name of his father. And he was responsible for a place called Arubot. I'm not sure where that is. Soho. And the area of Hefer, we know Hefer is the area of Menashe, the tribe of Menashe, uh, because we know that Benot Slovchad, if you remember the story in the book of Midbar, Benot Slovchad, they were the, the daughters of Hefer, and they were from Menashe. Ben Avinadav, ben Avi, somebody named Ben Avinadav, he was, was also, this is Menashe area, called Nofedor, an area called Nofedor, Tafach bat Shlomo ha'ita lo le'isha. And now we give another piece of information of Ben Avinadav, that he was the son-in-law of Shlomo Amelech. He was married to Shlomo's daughter, whose name was, actually they don't give her name. No, her name was Tofat. Tofat. There's no precedent to that name. So Shlomo using his son-in-law, like kind of the way Trump uses his son-in-law, you know, to help him out. And nothing wrong with it if he's competent. If he's competent, not corrupt. It's good using family if they're capable. Okay, it says in verse 12, the next, verse 12 is the fifth area mentioned, is Bana ben Achilud. Bana ben Achilud, if you remember, Achilud was the name of the maskir in Shlomo's cabinet. He was the guy, you know, who's responsible for writing the minutes, the uh, chronologies of the king. His son, Bana, was responsible for the region of Tanakh, Umegido, Beit Shan, that was near Tzartana, Mitachet Yisrael, Mibetshan. This is an area that's described in great detail. Let me see how we describe it. He was responsible for um, Tanakh and Megiddo. This is areas we know. Tanakh, by the way, is near Afula. There's a place called Tanachim. And all Beitshan, which is near a place called Saratan. Under Yisrael, we know the, the, um, the um, Yisrael Valley, which was near Beitshan, Near Abel Machola, as far as the Okniyam. So these are places that we, we exist in Israel. It's kind of going towards the north of Israel. That was his area. And number six, the sixth area uh, that was taken care of, the region that had to give sustenance once a month, verse 13. His name was Ben Gever, the son of Gever. Maybe that's short for Gavriel. And he was responsible for remote Gilad. He was responsible, Remote Gilad, and there was there in Remote Gilad, there was a place, Chavot Yair, Ben Menashe, Asher Begilad, Lo Chevel, Argov, Asher Bebashan, Shishim, Arun Gedolim, Chomad, Uberich, Nechoshet. So that means that this Ben Gever was responsible for Remote Gilad. When you talk about Remote Gilad, we're talking about the East Bank. We know that Gilad is a big area on the east side of the Jordan River. And he had the village of Yair, son of Menashe, who was a big conqueror, who conquered a lot of that area of the East Bank, which are in Gilad, pertain, pertaining to the region of Argov, which is in Bashan, big cities with walls of brazen bars. That's how it's translated. But we know it's the region of the Bashan. If you remember, there was 
Og, Melech uh, Og was king of the Bashan, that big giant that Moshe Rabbeinu killed over on the east bank. Og and Sichon. So when we see those names, we know we're talking about the eastern side of the Jordan, and that's that area covered. Seventh area is Achinadav ben Ido, Machanaim. That's a short one. Somebody made Achinadav, the son of Ido. Ido was a prophet. Maybe it's this prophet's son. And he was responsible for an area of Machanaim. That's also in the east bank, over the Jordan River, on the east side. We know that place back in the days of Shaul. We saw that where Ishboshit ruled for a while. And it says in 15, verse 15, the eighth area, Achimaatz ben Aftali. So the next place mentioned, well, this is interesting. This is the only person mentioned where they mention him and not his father. They just mention the son. That's all. No, 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 no father mentioned. He could be the Achimaatz, who was the son of Tzadok. We saw him, a prominent figure. And Shlomo was giving him a nice job. He was responsible for the heir of Naphtali, and by the way, it says, he married the daughter of Shlomo named Bosmat. So that's another son-in-law that Shlomo is using as an important, in a, an important position, being responsible for that area of Naphtali. The next, the next area in verse 16, some, somebody named Bana ben Hushai. Hushai was a famous uh, person, David's very, very good, good friend and advisor. This is probably his son. Again, Shlomo using... Uh, con- for continuation and, and uh, continuity and keeping of the old guard using a lot of the old people of the, the people from David's time and their sons and people close to him in his, uh, as his ministers. And, and Barnab and Hushai was responsible for Ba'asher and Ba'alot, the area of Asher and the place called Alot, wherever that is. The verse 17 is the 10th area. Yoshafat ben Paruach he was responsible for Yisachar. Shimi ben Ela was responsible for the era of Binyamin. By the way, here we are getting specific tribes being singled out and isolated. Even though we said he didn't do it tribally, he did it by area, but here we do see tribes because maybe they're much smaller tribes. For instance, Binyamin, not that small tribes, but they're smaller areas. Binyamin is a pretty small area in North Jerusalem, towards Jerusalem area, towards Beit El, and therefore there's... It's mentioned by itself. Um, finally, and here's the last one mentioned, the last um, Natsiv. His name is Gever ben Uri. Gever ben Uri, last but not least, and he was responsible for Eretz Gilad, Eretz Sichon, Melech HaMori, Og Melech HaBashan. Oh, he was responsible, again, for that big East Bank area. We have... Uh, or Eretz Gilad, which is the southern part of the East Bank. Because, by the way, there really is no place called Jordan. You know, we have a country called Jordan today. Jordan is a river. It's not a country. And there's the west side of the Jordan, and there's the east side of the Jordan. The fact that there's a country called Jordan is an invention. It really only was the East Bank and the West Bank of the Jordan. So, verse 19 is talking about the East Bank of the area of, again, Sichon, Melech, Amori, and Og, Melech, Abashan. When you see Sichon and Og, you know you're talking about that East Bank that Moshe Rabbeinu conquered back, back in the days of the Torah. And we kept it ever since. Of course, two and a half tribes live there as well. And so, uh, verse 19 summarizes it that each officer was over 
each piece of land. As we mentioned, so we just outlined 12 officers. Each one was responsible for a specific region, which each region's uh, role was to provide one month's sustenance for the king. Now, there's one thing that's missing here. One thing that should that sticks out if you pay attention to it, and I don't have the answer to it the, to this question, but the question is, what happened to Yehuda? Uh, all these areas mentioned here, these are areas from Jerusalem and north, or to the east bank, the west bank. But the area of Yehuda is Beit Lechem, Hebron, Beersheba, Southern Hebron. The Negev, you don't see those areas with a Natsiv there, as if they're not being taxed. It's hard to believe, it's inconceivable that Shlomo would uh, discriminate or give protexia, protection to his tribe, Yehuda, and have them not pay. That would be a that would be suicidal for him because it would cause tremendous jealousy and in the but in the end there was there was um, a split in the kingdom. And it happened because taxes. There was a fight over the taxes. They they thought Shlomo was taxing them heavy, too heavily. So maybe here we see a sign of it. Maybe he didn't tax Yehuda. But I don't know. Maybe if somebody can find an answer to that, they can write down in the comments. At least I know somebody's listening to this. And in any case, we'll end the chapter with, with this. Verse 20. Yehuda v'Yisrael rabim k'chol asher alayam l'rov. Ochlim v'shotim usmechim. So if you look at this verse... There was no real problem. It wasn't too heavy for anybody being taxed. The problem of overtaxation doesn't seem to be a problem here anyway. In verse 20, as we end the chapter, it says, And Yehuda and Israel were many, as the sand which is by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and making merry. So every, everything seems to be a-okay. At this point, there doesn't seem to be any uh, division, any kind of strife, any kind of signs of no signs of discontent. Uh, no, it says that everybody was happy, eating, drinking, and happy. I mean, if you look at David's time, there was famine once in a while. There was wars all the time and famine and disease we saw at the end of Shmuel Bet. And Shlomo wasn't like that. And so that ends chapter four. And God willing, we're going to talk about Shlomo's kingdom and his wisdom and his shefa and the great abundance in chapter 5, coming up next time.